Hey babes, Ashley here. I have a kind heart, a potty mouth. It's probably the rap music. And damn it, I miss my friends. But if I can't snuggle them in person, thanks COVID. I thought, why not build community here? So grab a drink, climb in bed, and let's hang out. Wait, is that weird? I'm on a mission to live my life unapologetically, which tends to look a little different every day. But one thing remains the same. It's a guilt-free zone. No shame here, sister. Each episode, we'll tackle real-life shenanigans, and you'll leave laughing, crying, or feeling as lit up as your crazy aunt at Christmas. Ready or not? Girl Talk. Hey, hey, welcome back to Guilt-Free Girl Talk. It's your host, Ashley, and today we're diving into IVF. So if you've been following along the last three episodes, we're all about our infertility journey leading up to in vitro fertilization, and that is where we're at today. It might be a little bit longer of an episode because I'm kind of just going to cram together all of our IVF journey um, instead of doing a bunch of smaller podcasts because I did weekly updates in the blog that I am reading from. So I am going to dive in. Today's an exciting episode. It's going to be so much fun to share with you the rainbow at the end of this journey. I've had so many messages from y'all being so sweet, but also so furious for me and heartbroken for me. And you guys have just been the kindest. So I'm really glad that we decided to do this together. Um, and I do think it's going to give me a lot more confidence moving forward, talking about motherhood, because I just think it's so important to know where we started and what we walked through, especially for those of you who are also struggling with infertility. So Let's get started with IVF, shall we? Day one. After almost five years, we started IVF today. I tossed and turned all night anxious about my appointment this morning. I told my sister at least three times on the way to the women's hospital that I felt like I was going to throw up. It's a good thing I was driving, or I may have. It seems a little silly. I just went in for the initial ultrasound and blood work. I've been on birth control and thyroid medicine for just over a month, and we had to check that both were doing their job. When I went in for the ultrasound and asked the nurse what exactly she was looking for, she told me, cysts on your ovaries that are producing estrogen. My heart sank. Cysts are not uncommon for me. Actually, cysts are what got me to this point in the first place. I laid on the table doing my best not to cry, expecting that she would find exactly what she was looking for. Instead, I was flooded with relief when she told me that everything looked good. No cysts. I received a call from the nurse this afternoon and my blood work all came back great as well. My eyes filled with tears and I shook as I told my sister that everything was good. The amount of relief that swept through me was enough to make me weak. I have been waiting for this process to begin for so long that it didn't feel like it would ever happen. I know there are bound to be more hurdles along this journey, but today, hearing that we are in the clear to start injections tomorrow, that is the best news I have heard in a very long time. And for the first time in an even longer time, I feel hopeful. Day two. Boy, waiting until nine was hard today. We have to choose a time that we will do our injections each day. It has to be the same time and it has to be in the evening. Our doctor explained that we do it in the evening because we do our monitor appointments in the morning and and get blood work results in the afternoon. This way, if they get our results and they want to change anything, we can make that change before that night's injection. It makes complete sense, but waiting until the end of the day is hard. I would definitely prefer to do it first thing in the morning and have it behind me. I had a very busy day at work today, so I was able to focus elsewhere, but as soon as I got home, I was hit by a wave of anxiety. The medicine that we're using, HMG, comes in two containers, a glass capsule with water and saline, and a vial of powder. 
Shea has to break the capsule, suck up the saline, empty the syringe into the powder, let it dissolve, then suck it back into the syringe. We have to do four vials, so he has to repeat this process four times. I have complete confidence in him, but knowing that we had to do this process definitely added to my anxiety. I wish I could explain the nerves that go behind shots. It is so much more than the pain of the injection itself. There is so much pressure to do it right that we both hold our breath the entire time that he's prepping it because we don't want to be the reason that it doesn't work. Day 6. Today I had a checkup. These checkups consist of blood work and an ultrasound. They're checking that my hormone levels are where they should be, the size of my egg follicles, and the thickness of my uterine lining. I was nervous this morning. I've been on hormone stimulants for 11 months spread out over the years and know how my body feels when my levels are elevated. I came into this expecting for my reaction to be even stronger than it had in the past because the level and amount of hormones in the injectables is so much higher. However, laying in bed last night, I was telling Shay I could tell they were low. I laid in bed worrying that this wasn't working. But this process is out of my control. I cannot determine how my body reacts to this medicine. I simply have to trust that my doctors know what they're doing. Instead of making myself sick with worry, I chose to lay in bed and daydream about the best case scenarios. This is also dangerous. When you've desperately wanted something for so long, and have been so heartbroken so many times, you condition yourself not to daydream, to stay realistic, and to stay indifferent. Realistic was good for my appointment today. I'm grateful that I listened to my body. I'm grateful that I said my worry out loud about low levels, because I was right. My levels were low, lower than they'd like to see, and my lining was thinner than desired. Did my heart sink? Yes. Did fear creep into my heart? Yes. Was I ready to hear it? Yes. Luckily, my sister was with me. She seriously is the greatest. My initial visit, she asked me about the jar of unwrapped condoms, and I explained they were for the ultrasound wands. Today, as we pulled out of the hospital parking lot, she looked at me with a devious grin and pulled a stolen condom out of her sleeve. I seriously laughed so hard. She informed me that we would be taking one every appointment and creating a condom family. The laughter was exactly what I needed. It helped get me through the next couple hours waiting on the doctor to call. She called this afternoon with an update. She increased my HMG shots to five vials and my Ganorelic shot starts Thursday. I asked her specifically if I should be concerned, and she was so comforting. She said, no, absolutely not. That's exactly why we have monitoring appointments. Happy news. IVF day 12. Tuesday, I let you know that they increased my HMG shots to five vials. Boy, oh boy, did that make a difference. I woke up Wednesday morning feeling each side effect listed. Headache, check. Bloated, check. Exhausted, check. The list goes on. I was so grateful it was my last day at work for a few weeks because I desperately needed rest. On Thursday, we started our Ganorelix shot. Ganorelix is used to stop the LH surge, which triggers ovulation. Basically, they're revving up my hormones to produce multiple follicles, but cannot let those follicles be released until they're ready to retrieve them. These shots are given in the top of the thigh. Ouch. I am thankful every day that we ended up with HMG instead of the other options because it's given in the bum instead of the tummy. I am extremely uncomfortable with needles, and Shay administering it behind my back takes away some of the anxiety. Sitting on the couch while he sticks it into my muscular thigh really works on my nerves. The first night, I sang the ABCs. You know you work with small children when. <laughs> Friday morning, I had my checkup. It went okay. They couldn't find a good vein, so it took some time to draw the blood. See above where I'm not a fan of needles, but I survived. Then I had the ultrasound. I have follicles. Many, actually. When I left on Tuesday, I was worried. 
for no reason, because I'm not an ultrasound tech and have no idea what I'm actually seeing on the screen, that I didn't have very many. On Friday, I decided to stop pretending I knew what I was looking at and just ask. She was able to measure over eight and said there were more, they just weren't big enough to measure yet. I was elated. I want to have a good harvest, if you will, because not all of them will survive the retrieval or the insemination or be viable in embryos. So the more I start with, the more I'll have potentially to implant. I also asked her about my lining, which was another worry of the week. Seriously, I worry too much. She told me what it was and that it would continue to thicken. She also told me, stop worrying about your body. There is nothing you can do to change your lining or your follicles. Don't worry about things you cannot control. After my blood work and ultrasound, I met with my doctor. She is the best. I was worried I wouldn't like her because I've heard from a few people that she's very dry and harsh. I was worried I would need more empathy through this process. I was wrong. She is very, call it like you see it. She doesn't sugarcoat things and she cusses at least once every time we have an interaction. I love it. I never walk away worrying. I am so insanely confident in her and she never makes me feel like I have false hope or will be blindsided. She did the same thing this appointment. They tell you when you start this process that you will take hormone injections for 8 to 12 days, depending on how your body reacts to the medicine and how rapidly your follicles grow. It turns out that I'm on the 12-day side of that scale. Because of this, and because I'm young, there is a very serious chance that my body will produce too much estrogen while it's boosting to grow these follicles. If that's the case, we'll have to freeze our embryos and do the transfer next month. That is not ideal. I do not in any way want that to be the case. But in true Maud, that's her name, fashion, she has been very upfront with me about this possibility since our first conversation about IVF, which happened to be my very first appointment with her. So I left feeling a little nervous that our dreams may have to wait a few more weeks, but I also left feeling grateful that she is indeed upfront with me and I won't be sitting at the transfer appointment and be heartbroken or blindsided. Friday night shots were terrible. I'll be honest, they stunk. I remember reading a blog post months ago about IVF and reading that they felt like their skin was getting tougher. I totally understand what she means now. I am not in the medical field, but it truly does feel like your skin gets more tough after so many injections. It's harder to get the needle in, and on Friday, it was harder to get it out. It sounds weird, but when Shay tried to remove the HMG needle from my bum, it stuck to the skin a little. Ouch. It felt the same when we did the thigh injections an hour later. It didn't stick, but Shay commented that it was much more tough to get the injection in than the first night. We're very hopeful that my follicles will be grown to the ideal size and we can schedule our retrieval for this week. I'm super excited about this appointment because Shay gets to go. He's in training, so my sister has accompanied me to most of the checkups until now. But he doesn't have to go in until later tomorrow, so he gets to be on companion duty, as well as snipe another member of the condom family duty. IVF Day 13 egg queen. Good evening. This will be a quick update as I'm exhausted, but I definitely want you all to know that your thoughts and prayers and positive vibes are working. This morning, Shay and I headed to the checkup. It went really well. My blood draw went easy and the ultrasound was great. As soon as she saw my ovaries, she said, well, look at you, egg queen. I had very many eggs on my left ovary and a few on my right. They look good and seeing how large and ready they were made me so excited. We scheduled our egg retrieval for Wednesday morning. I am just so grateful that my body has been reacting to this medicine and that we were able to take these little eggs and create embryos this week. I have to take an HCG injection tonight. This is another shot in the bum. It's also known as a trigger shot. It gives me a surge of hormones that make my eggs loosen so they're easier to remove. This shot is timed about 36 hours before the egg retrieval. 
I'm not looking forward to it. I've taken it twice before and both times I had miserable flu-like symptoms, but I don't have to take any other shots tomorrow. That feels like a good trade-off to me. Plus, I'm so grateful that I don't have anything scheduled tomorrow, so if I feel terrible, I'll just Netflix with my sister. As I mentioned in my previous post, there's a concern that my estrogen levels might be too high and make me have to postpone my transfer until next month. I'm thrilled to report that today my estrogen levels were between three and 4,000. That, with the amount of eggs, is good. They tentatively scheduled our transfer for Monday, and I was so relieved to hear that my blood work came back good. I'm not quite out of the woods, though. Doing IVF can sometimes cause OHSS, over ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. This is caused by high levels of hormones mixed with the retrieval of the eggs, which can cause ovarian swelling. This is somewhat common, but if not caught or treated, can be risky. So if I have any symptoms, I'll wait for the transfer. Egg retrieval. Wednesday was nerve-wracking and so exciting. To do an egg retrieval, they have to put you under. This always makes me nervous. I hate the taste in my mouth when they first give you the IV and it's flowing. I was nervous because I had to go back to pre-op without Shay. They took me back to prep and they took him to do his part. My nurses were great, but I missed having my rock with me. They wheeled me to the OR and then I walked in and laid on the table. Weird, right? It's interesting to actually see it all. I'm not sure how long the procedure took. I think about 45 minutes. But when I woke up, they came in and told us how many eggs they retrieved. 15! I had to eat and drink and use the restroom before we got to go home, but I was home by noon. They called me on Thursday morning and told me 11 of the 15 were mature enough and fertilized normally. Recovery from this wasn't awesome. I became very bloated, like four months pregnant bloated, and had some intense cramping. What surprised me the most was the exhaustion. I feel like I just slept for five days, but we're thrilled when each day passed and OHSS didn't arrive. Transfer day! Parents until proven otherwise. Today was transfer day. They called at 7.45 this morning and told us that of the 11, four embryos were graded well and available for transfer. Multiple more haven't quite made it to the blastocyst stage, so we are freezing them to give them more time. Four doesn't seem like many, but we just told ourselves that all it takes is one. We decided when we decided to do IVF that we would transfer two embryos. We have wanted this for a very long time, and we want the best chance possible. We tried to sleep a little longer before we had to get ready, but we were both, mostly me, too anxious for that. Instead, we settled on a breakfast date. It was wonderful. We let ourselves daydream about having a family, and we really enjoyed each other's time before heading to the hospital. Our appointment was at 10. I had to take a Valium doctor's orders when we parked and then went up to do blood work after they prepped us both for the or Shay was hilarious he cracked me up the whole time and was so excited to dress in scrubs i brought my lucky socks and the nurses didn't have trouble with me wearing them for the procedure as long as she could show the other nurses first they say hatch and attach they wheeled me down and Shay was right behind me they had a bench for him at my head so he could be a part of the whole procedure. They chatted with me and made me so relaxed. I mean, as relaxed as you can be in stirrups. All the ladies in the OR love my socks, too. They even went and got the embry- embryologist to come and look at it. <laughs> the worst part of the process was a catheter. Apparently, my bladder wasn't full enough, so they had to put one in to fill my bladder up and then again to drain it. I'm not telling you this to be gross, but seriously, I've read a lot about IVF and I was not warned. So for future reference, be prepared. Other than that, the procedure went smoothly. They had a large screen for us to watch the embryologist suck up the two little embryo babies and zoomed in to show us them. Then they brought it right in to transfer them. It was seamless, and I felt overjoyed. After the procedure, we went back to the pre-op room and just hung out. They wanted me to lay there for 45 minutes before heading home. I laid, and we laughed. 
today was a good day. In the trying to conceive community, there is a phrase, pupo. It means pregnant until proven otherwise. And today, after four years and nine months of trying to start our family, we are pupo. It feels amazing. Proven otherwise. Well, it's time for another update. Unfortunately, this isn't the update we are praying for. Our first IVF attempt was unsuccessful. I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure where this post is going. I'm overwhelmed with emotions and feeling quite scatterbrained. We had it all planned out. We lied to all of our family and friends about the date of our beta, blood test, because we wanted to surprise them in person this weekend. We'd already planned to go to Enid for the weekend, so we were going to make a surprise stop in Wichita and invite my mom down to Enid. We decided how and when we would tell everyone. We would do our first beta on Wednesday and celebrate together, then inform my sister, who has been our rock. Then, this weekend, would be our family reveal. So much to celebrate under this year's fireworks. Apparently, God has other plans. I had a work trip Sunday to Tuesday this week. On a dumb, maybe not so dumb in retrospect, moment, I decided to take a home pregnancy test on Sunday morning. It was a big fat negative. I was sad, but more than that, I was mad at myself. I knew it was early, and I peed three times through the night, and I shouldn't have done it. It was not how I wanted to start my day, as I was already very anxious about leaving mid-IVF for a couple days. Shay is my rock, and has also been in charge of giving me my shots. Going away from him and having to count on someone else to give them to me was scary. I cried while I packed, and I cried on my way to the office. The shots turned out to be no big deal. My amazing coworker gave me my progesterone and oil shots in the bum without any trouble. However, it turned out that was the least of my work trip worries. Monday afternoon, I used the restroom mid-breakout session and noticed I was spotting. If I would have spotted two to three days earlier, I would have been ecstatic and assumed it was implantation bleeding. Because it was later than I imagined, I initially panicked. Then I did what most infertile people do and went to the message boards. I read probably 20 different message boards and 90% of them said that the bleeding was okay and that they ended up with their big fat positive. So I did the second dumb thing and let myself believe them. I talked myself into this being normal and I clung to that last shred of hope. However, the spotting continued and got heavier. By Wednesday morning, beta test day, I knew I had to pee on a stick. My thought process was that if it was negative, I could start processing that instead of being blindsided by a phone call. I knew there was a chance of a false negative, as blood always picks it up before urine, but decided being positively surprised sounded much better. It was a big fat negative. At this point, I knew in my heart and in my gut it didn't work. We went to the appointment and did the blood draw, and then the waiting game began. I had to work all morning, and Shay had to work all afternoon, so we planned to have them leave a voicemail, and then we were going to the park to listen to it together after work. My spotting became much heavier while we waited. At 11, I had a voicemail and was talking to Shay. I couldn't wait the whole day to address what I knew was my period, but wanted to know for sure it was negative before I did address it. He just told me to go ahead and listen. It was negative. We were proven otherwise. The rest of the day was kind of a blur. I didn't cry too much. I think I was just too worried about Shay to be processing my own pain. It's kind of cruel for the men involved, to be honest. I truly feel like I got let down easy. I took a test on Sunday, and that was a step of disappointment. Then I slowly was able to watch my spotting get heavier. Step by step, my disappointment grew. I'm in the body, and sometimes it's really hard, and I'm a little bitter that I'm the one going through so much, and Shay is on the outside looking in. But in this instance, it helped. I knew it was coming. And even if I let him know as these signs arose, he didn't feel it happening. Processing something like this is definitely a process. 
I go through moments of incredible sadness, screaming anger, lack of hope, resignation that we won't ever have a child. I would say so far anger is the greatest emotion. Not intentional anger, but I'm short-tempered. I have so much hurt inside of me and my heart is in so many pieces that it just bursts out of me in moments of blind anger for no reason. It isn't fair at all to the people around me, especially Shay. I apologize every time and he knows it's just a step of the grieving process. His pain is more silent, just a bone-chilling sadness. The whole thing is heartbreaking. The positive to come out of my spotting starting early is that it fast tracks when we can try again. So we'll be trying a frozen embryo transfer in the middle of July. Frozen embryo transfer, F-E-T. I mentioned that starting my cycle early meant being able to try again quickly. I wasn't kidding. I received a negative pregnancy blood test and then the next day was able to start estrogen pills to start rebuilding my lining. It actually was helpful in the moving forward process. I didn't have much time to dwell on the failed cycle because we were already moving on to another attempt. I guess I should stop here and explain what this cycle will look like. When we did the egg retrieval, 15 eggs were removed, and of those, 6 fertilized normally. We chose to transfer 2 for our first try. That means we froze 4 healthy 5-day blastocysts for future use. This cycle will be less invasive as we already have the embryos ready to go. I'm taking estrogen to rebuild my uterine lining, and then 5 days before the transfer, I start progesterone and oil shots again. Then, the transfer and 2-week wait. Friday, July 8th, I went in for the lining check. It was a quick ultrasound that unfortunately didn't go as I had hoped. They consider 8 millimeters to be thick enough to schedule a transfer and begin pio shots. My lining was only a 6.7. I'm not sure why, but I wasn't prepared for bad news. I was extremely disappointed. The doctor's solution was to increase my estrogen by 2 pills a day. She sent me on my way and we rescheduled a repeat ultrasound for Tuesday, July 12th. On the 12th, I went in feeling very apprehensive. We started the ultrasound and my lining was eight and a half. Yay! The ultrasound tech, who's in all of my ultrasounds, was so excited. She even did a cheer for me, arm movements and all. I went out to speak with my doctor and she was equally as excited. We scheduled an embryo transfer for Monday, July 18th. She seemed very confident about the odds of this frozen embryo transfer being successful. She went as far as to try and talk me out of transferring two embryos. The reason behind this is the added likelihood of having multiples. Multiples increase pregnancy and health risks. She wanted to be sure that I was aware of what that could mean. Fortunately, my background is in early childhood, and that has helped me prepare for realistic expectations as far as what multiples would mean. I know that challenges are likely to arise and what signs to look for. I feel confident in myself and our life and know that we could tackle whatever is thrown at us. I also feel that if difficulties arose, I would be willing and able to be an advocate for my family's needs. Our desire for transferring two embryos stems from chances of pregnancy over desire for multiples. We are aware that thawing embryos is a very delicate scientific process and know that there's a chance that we could lose an embryo. We would be devastated if we chose to transfer one and it didn't survive the thaw. That would mean that we have to wait at least another month before trying again, not to mention high costs for no return. We also like the odds and chances of transferring two instead of one. With all that said, we're as ready as we can be for Monday, July 18, 2016, FET. We did it. We successfully transferred two little embryo babies. My doctor called this morning and said that they both survived the thaw. Then they took me back for the transfer and they showed us the two sweet little blessings. Not only did they survive their thaw, they began growing again right away. Our doctor went as far as saying she thinks these two look better than the previous two. We are doing our best to stay hopeful and praying that these strong little five-day-old blastocysts snuggle in deep and grow, grow, grow. The only concern of the day was my blood work. It came back that my progesterone levels are low. I'm actually looking at this as a blessing in disguise. 
I was concerned after beginning my cycle early last month that my levels may be low. I'm so grateful that it was low enough to show right away and we can attack the problem and improve our chances immediately. To do that, my doctor asked us to double my progesterone injections. Unfortunately for my bum, this means two shots a day instead of one. I'm already hormonal, hormone-induced emotional, (laughs) see what I did there, and very sore from the single shots, so I'm a bit apprehensive about adding another, but it will absolutely be worth it. The wait for our beta test is going to be a trying one. They always are. But as emotions are still running high from our last disappointment, I know this weight and up and down and hope and fear could be even more difficult. After 58 months, we are ecstatic and a little in shock to announce that we are pregnant. Wow. Thank you guys so much for letting me go back through this journey with you. You guys, like I said, have been so sweet and reaching out and have been super supportive. Um, It was really good for me to look back on it and see just how wild life has been, but like what a blessing it is now to be a mama to my sweet Lexington Eliana. Um, Fun fact, her name is Lexington because when I was 10 weeks pregnant, I had a dream that I had a girl and her name was Lexington and y'all, I hated it. I thought it was awful. I told all my coworkers, can you believe this name? And then I went home and told my sister and she was like, actually, I like it. And then I told Shay and he's like, no, I actually like that a lot. And so then every single other name I tried to talk him into, he always came back to Lexington and I was just losing the battle. And then finally I was like, you know, maybe if I can find a middle name that I really like. And so I looked and looked and I came across Eliana, which means God has answered. And after five years of infertility and everything that we went through, it felt so fitting to add that to her name. So she became our little Lexington Eliana. And I said, well, if I have a girl named Lexington, I'm probably going to end up calling her Lexi Lou. And my friend was like, isn't that her initials, L-E-W? And I was like, oh my gosh, it's meant to be. So that is a fun little fact about how her name came to be. She was born February 28th. She just turned four on Sunday, which is wild to me because reading through this, it feels like it all just happened and it was four years ago. So life goes fast, man. Um, anyways, thank you guys so much. And I am going to have a bonus episode Um, this week. I'm going to record it right now because I do really want to touch on one other small thing. Um, Well, it's not a small thing. It's actually monumental, but a short episode. And that will then wrap up this journey back into the past about infertility and IVF and how I became a mama. And I'm just really excited to be able to move forward, feeling closer to all of you and knowing that you all know my struggle and can walk beside me in motherhood now and appreciate it for what it is. I appreciate you guys so much for letting me share my heart. Thank you. I know you could choose anyone to listen to, and I appreciate that you chose me. If this podcast made you laugh, hit you in the feels, or inspired you to live your best life, please do me a favor and share it. Take a quick screenshot, share it on social, and tag me. I'd love to give you a heartfelt thank you and start building a bestie community in real life. Cannot wait for more Girl Talk. Chat soon.